If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Previously on Silenced. You have to realize also what uh, Radio Haiti represented to the Haitian public. They stood on the tarmac and they said they wouldn't go if we didn't go. They felt that uh, they had to protect us. And to them, to go on that plane and do as if nothing had happened was the worst thing. Last time we heard from Michelle Montas, she was fleeing Port-au-Prince with her husband, Jean-Dominique. It was just after Aristide was overthrown by the military. Their station, Radio Haiti, was a beacon to Haitians everywhere. It was an example to the VAO broadcasters of what it meant to tell the truth, despite the obstacles. Jean-Dominique had this catchphrase. You cannot kill the truth with a bullet. What would happen at Radio Haiti, though, would mirror the VAO murders and test the limits of hope. But before we get there, we're going to start with a love story. From Kaleidoscope and iHeart Podcasts, this is Silenced. I'm Oz Veloshin. And I'm Anna Arana. This is Episode 7, The Flame. It was the 1970s, and Michelle Montas had just graduated from Columbia Journalism School in New York City. Haiti was suffering under the brutal Duvalier regime. But even so, Michelle's heart was still there. For her, it was home. So she went back. Back in Port-au-Prince, she sometimes went from one movie theater to another, watching films all day. That's how she first met John Dominique. I remember going uh, to one movie house, meeting that one guy with his pipe. That's Michelle in a documentary called The Agronomist, about her and John's life, 
John was tall and lean, often with a pipe dangling from his mouth. I would go to another film in another movie house three hours later, and that was that same, was that same guy. Michelle met the man with the pipe again when she went to interview for a job at a newly launched radio station, Radio Haiti. Haiti Inter, revue de presse, à propos d'une certaine idée de la France. John had started Radio Haiti, and he interviewed Michelle for a job at the station. I told her, we need professional journalists. Can you help us? And she came. She became more and more involved in the radio, Radio Haiti. In this fight that I felt compelled to do. It was the beginning of a long partnership. First professional, then romantic. It was love at first sight. It was passion at first sight. And I think it was the same for him. Michel and Jean were both from middle-class families. They were both educated abroad. But they both believed passionately in the promise of Haiti. They were revolutionaries. Jean was working with Haitian peasants to defend their land rights. He spent six months in jail for that work. They were kindred spirits. Together, they built Haiti's first independent radio station. And John inspired a whole generation. Jean-Dominique was one of those people that, um, my idol, the one of the reasons I'm a journalist. His radio was the radio I went to to complain because the mayor didn't want us to study under the Lempo anymore. I listen to Jean-Dominique all the time. Listen to his editorial in the morning. From here to here. Radio Haiti maneuvered around the dictatorship for decades. They survived shutdowns, arrests, and shootings to keep the station going. Jean and Michel were exiled, then returned. They celebrated Aristide's victory in the streets, then watched in horror as he was overthrown. They fled the country yet again and were living in New York when Aristide was finally reinstated as president in 1994. And that's when they got a phone call. Jean was invited by Aristide personally to fly down with him. The U.S. was going to fly Aristide back to Haiti with a military escort. Did Jean want to join him? Jean said no for a lot of reasons. He would never have gone back in a foreign plane, even if it meant going with Aristide. For Jean, Aristide's victory had represented independence from dictatorship and from foreign meddling. Returning to Haiti on an American plane would put his beliefs and his support for Aristide at odds. Jean and Michel returned separately and once again got the station back up and running. Jean would wake me up every morning, bringing me coffee uh, in bed, and every time he would read me the editorial he had written to have my, uh, uh, my opinion on it. One spring morning in 2000, Jean brought Michel the editorial as usual. But she felt it needed more work. So he left for the station to refine it before going on air. He left me to get dressed because I usually went down to the station later than he did. And I uh, just was listening to the station. It was the Creole news. It started at six and then suddenly I hear uh, the anchor person saying, something has happened, something has happened, and uh, music. I called the station and I said, what's happening? And they tell me, Michel, come immediately. 
nothing could prepare Michelle for what she saw when she arrived. So I just drove down and there was Jean's body. Seeing bodies of people you don't know in the street, it's scary, yes. But that is so very different from seeing your own husband on the ground with his blood running. They rushed him to a nearby hospital. I went to the hospital and I remember I was I was holding I was holding Jean's feet because he was always cold. His feet were always cold, so I was holding his feet. I knew he was gone. Jean-Dominique and a security guard at the radio station, Jean-Claude Louison, were both shot and killed that April morning. It was as if I was a ghost. Or I was, there was a part of me that was functioning and another part that was already dead. But like Tony after Fritz's murder, Michelle was back on the airwaves soon after Jean's assassination. He would say, bonjour, Michel. I would say, bonjour, Jean. That's how we started our uh, broadcast. And I kept on saying, uh, bonjour, Jean. Bonjour, Jean. Bonjour à tous. Un seul titre. Michel delivered Radio Haiti's first editorial after Jean's death. It had the title, Jean Dominique is alive. Jean Léopold Dominique n'est pas mort. Fire radiated within Jean every day of our lives at Radio Haiti. Like Prometheus, Jean had stolen that fire from the gods. After Jean's murder, there was an outpouring of national grief. 15,000 people filled Haiti's main soccer stadium for his funeral. This community gave Michelle strength, and so did her colleagues at Radio Haiti. I noticed one thing, is that my reporters, they didn't want to leave me alone. They didn't want me to feel alone. And um, without that support, I wouldn't have made it. But they were there. The whole team felt a deep responsibility to keep going, to find justice for Jean. Because from the very beginning, they knew. It was not someone, just a run-of-the-mill bandit who came in and, and shot him. It was obvious then. It was a gun for hire. Anna, I'll never forget Michelle telling us how she kept saying hello to Jean every morning on air, even after he'd been gunned down. It makes me think about what Tony Jontenor told us about talking into the void in the studio where Fritz used to stand. Yes, the parallels are stunning. This was another targeted assassination of a journalist to send a message. In Haiti, this was the equivalent of murdering Walter Cronkite mixed with JFK. You cannot overstate how much of a shock it was to everyone. Right. And in the aftermath, you were actually sent to Haiti by the Inter-American Press Association to find out who orchestrated the killing and why. Tell me about the situation on the ground when you first got there. It was messy. When I first started reporting, rumors were swirling and fingers were pointed at the military and the old regime followers. It was the most obvious explanation. They were enemies of the pro-democracy movement that John Dominique and his counterparts in Miami, like Fritz and the others, had all been part of. But early on in my investigation, I got a tip. 
and it pointed in a very unexpected direction, toward the people who were in power now, Aristide's own political party. You have to understand about the events leading up to John Dominique's assassination and how it seemed to come out of nowhere. We never felt really threatened in 2000. Never did. Just a few years before, Haiti had his first peaceful transition of power. Aristide's former prime minister, who had gone into exile with him, was now president. We never thought that Jean uh, would be killed under a democratic regime. We did not think it could happen. So we were not taking any special precautions. We were not being, uh, we didn't have bodyguards. We didn't feel that we were in danger. But that didn't mean everything was perfect. From the moment Aristide returned on the US plane in 1994, Michel remembers a creeping sense that he was beginning to turn his back on his political roots. The first time that Aristide spoke at the National Palace, Jean and I were there. He was behind those glass partitions, isolated from the people who put him in power. The early Aristide was a radical liberation theology priest. He was at one with the slum dwellers of Port-au-Prince and the farmers of the Haitian countryside. But now he was employing totally different iconography, that of the traditional politician, wary of his own people, separated from them by glass partitions. We realized much later that the Aristide who came back was not the Aristide we had elected. Remember, as a condition of returning to power, Aristide had to give amnesty to many of the cocaine colonels and frap types, the very people who had been involved in his coup. He was also pressured to accept devastating economic terms imposed by the U.S. Just one example. Haiti had long been able to grow more than enough rice to feed his people, but Aristide had to lower import tariffs, and that opened up Haiti to a flood of cheap American rice. Haitian rice production collapsed. Farmers who had tilled the land for generations were suddenly jobless, and Haiti became substantially more dependent on the U.S. The issue that Jean had with Aristide, the Aristide who came back, he felt was no longer respecting what Jean called the mandate. The mandate was what the democratic movement gave him. Not only that, but there were rumors that the people around Aristide were now involved in drug trafficking. Jean-Dominique was not one to stay quiet. In a famous interview in 1996, two years after Aristide returned to Haiti, John challenged him about corruption in his own political party. I spoke with Gary Pierre-Pierre, a Haitian-American journalist who founded the Haitian Times. He remembers hearing that interview. I remember one thing he told uh, Aristide, he called him Titid, which was like the, the term of endearment that Haitians had for Aristide. Gentleman said, you know, this is not what we talked about. This is not what the movement was supposed to be. And you could feel Aristide angst and, and anxiety in answering that question. And he, it was a very cringeworthy interview. He was being skewered by Jean Dominique. 
He asked him the questions. He says, isn't that what you call the petit projet de la présidence, the projects of the presidency? Isn't that corruption? Aren't you trying to buy uh, the goodwill of the people who actually overthrew you? And Aristide was very embarrassed by it. Aristide was being called out by one of his oldest allies, live on air on one of the country's most influential radio programs. This was not acceptable to a president who Michel says increasingly had one goal. His objective became to stay in power, and we felt it was at all costs because he didn't want another coup. And so, yeah, they were not going to let him live. The movement failed the country in some ways, and they had to get rid of him. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So Anna, when you arrived in Haiti to investigate Jean-Dominique's death, you landed in the middle of a very complicated political dynamic. 
Yeah, Aristide's party had finally returned to power, and they seemed desperate to hang on to it. And the murder of John Dominique put people on edge, really. Haitians were used to people in power using violence, and even though this was a new regime, few people wanted to talk. And those who did felt they were taking huge risks. You told me one of your first steps was to go see the investigating judge, a guy called Claudie Gasson. Yes, I went to see him, and he offered to let me see two cardboard boxes he had at that time with all the documents in the case. And I was kind of amazed that he let me do that. But then, in the middle of the interview, he started crying. Why do you think he was so candid? I think he was really afraid that something was going to happen to him. Because the truth was very damaging to many powerful people. You told me that you also felt scared while you were reporting. Yeah, it was a scary trip. From the beginning, I suspected I was being surveilled. I had to change hotels, cars. I got out of there in 10 days because I couldn't stay any longer as I felt that some of the suspects, powerful people in Haiti, were keeping tabs on me. And then you wrote your report laying out the theory that was out in the open, but difficult for anyone to acknowledge. The conclusion I came to after speaking to various sources and reading the court documents was that the intellectual authors of the crime likely did come from Aristide's own political party. Nine people, including some lower-level members of Aristide's party, and the alleged gunmen were eventually charged. Wow. So... The million-dollar question is, did Aristide know about this murder in advance? Was he involved? I couldn't go there during my short time in Haiti. But a lot of the debate has been centered around whether Aristide knew and approved the murder. But oftentimes with political assassinations, people who are followers and aspiring for power take it upon themselves to carry out killings, hoping that they'll benefit from it. It's like the scenario we built up around the murders of the four broadcasters in Miami using police reports and court documents. I understand that the rift between Jean and Aristide was growing and that Aristide's political party seemed to be mired in the same corruption they'd campaigned against. But why would he kill one of his own movement's allies? Well, that landmark 1996 interview Jean did with Aristide, it seemed to be a factor. And some of Aristide's people seem concerned that John may be interested in running for office himself. That was a huge political threat. John was incredibly popular with the people. But Michel pointed out to us that this didn't make any sense. How could John be a candidate? He was killed in April. The election was in May. Another theory is that John Dominique had touched a third rail that he was planning to publicly name drug traffickers within Aristide's own party. But Michelle Montas categorically denies this. She said John would never have been so naive as to call that out. Ultimately, we can't really know for sure who was responsible. All I know is I saw the documents from the investigation, and they explicitly name high-ranking members of Aristide's party. Michelle Montas told us that your piece backed up some of her own suspicions. What Anna with facts came up with was she said it was from that camp. Aristide's camp. And I had reason to believe she was right. However, I kept on asking myself, not only is it 
uh, it was a crime, but it was stupid. You don't kill Jean-Dominique, who is one of the most popular figures in Haiti. For what? And to me, that was stupid. Michelle still grieves, both her personal loss, but also the loss of the dream of helping Haiti out of the darkness of the Duvalier dictatorship. She mourns the hope she and so many others had pinned on Aristide. It was a betrayal of uh, so much that we thought he stood for, all of the democratic movement fought for, which is, you know, basic ideals of human rights. To me, power is not worth it, but maybe to some it is. After Anna published her report, Michelle Montas was still on air at Radio Haiti. I'd been asking for justice day in and day out for almost three years. I don't think I remember ever being scared. Everything was so intense that um, you don't have time to be afraid. But since Jean's assassination, Michelle had been forced to take precautions. We had to accept bodyguards because after Jean's uh, assassination, we felt maybe we should have bodyguards. And then, on Christmas Day 2002, Michelle was coming back to her house. I went through the gate of my house. My bodyguard was next to me. He was a young guy, 26 years old. Maxime Saeed. He always joked with Michelle that he would defend her because he was bigger than her. That's what they called him at the station. Big. Maxime spotted a group of men approaching the house with guns drawn. And he did something extraordinarily brave. He asked the other guard to close the gate, keeping Michelle safe inside. And then he ran down the street, distracting the men with guns and leading them away from the house. And he was killed. The worst day of my life was the day I went to see his mother after he was killed. That mother had been waiting for him with a Christmas meal. I found her laying down on a mat on the ground, and she was crying. She was wailing, and I told myself, she's going to hit me. She's going to just kick me out. Instead of that, she threw her arms towards me and she said, Mama, she calls me mother. So I laid down next to her on the mat. And we cried together. Maxime was young, just 26 years old. He loved to talk about books and international affairs with Michelle. She said the day he was killed was worse than the day her husband was killed. Michelle felt responsible for his death. He was a young man who didn't ask to die. It was a turning point. I thought I would be on the air every single day uh, fighting for justice until I got justice. Uh, I didn't realize until Maxime was killed that I was putting other people in danger as well. Within a couple of months, Michelle decided that the only way to keep her team safe was to close down Radio Haiti. At the meeting where she told the staff that she decided they should stop, they started pouring their hearts out. 
One of them told me that his mother had kicked him out of the house because he was endangering his uh, brothers and sisters. Another one told me that his wife uh, had asked him not to come to the house anymore for the same reason. They were all used to risk, even inured to it. Michel, Jean-Dominique, and of course, Jean-Claude, Fritz and Donna. Through all the death and violence, they'd pushed and pushed and pushed until finally things broke. After Maxim was killed, I realized that the people who wanted us silenced would not stop at anything. If it was not me, it was going to be someone else. And I couldn't bear the thought of another one of our journalists or anyone around us be killed. Radio Haiti shut down in 2003 after broadcasting on and off for 35 years. And not long after, Michelle left Haiti for the US for her third and final exile. I first met Michelle at a diner in New York City. She wanted to meet and talk before agreeing to an on-the-record interview about such a painful and still controversial topic. We sat together for two hours on that occasion, and at the end, Michelle agreed to a recorded interview at her apartment. We had this version of this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and it was obviously extremely painful for you, and yet you decided to sit down and have it again. Is that something you feel you owe to Jean, to, 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 to fight for justice, to, to what, what, what? Motivates me? Yeah. I feel that uh, I owe it to Jean, and I feel I owe it to the Haitian people somewhere, somehow. Because they were always there for me. They were always there for us. When we were building that station, when we were airing the news, when we were, uh, um, you know, we are not superheroes. We are just people who just felt emboldened because they were supported by other people. It was just uh, uh, the effort of so many of us towards some basic ideals, not nothing up in the sky, just basic rights fighting for them. I think it's worth it to continue. I mean, it makes me think about the 1991 incident where the people refusing to get on the plane unless you and John were on the plane. You know, Maxine was your bodyguard, but when you saw the guys with guns, you could have stepped to one side. Yes, yes. His mother could have kicked out of the house, but instead she called you, Mama. Mm-hmm. So the the, 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 the the flame that you lit was, was extremely strong. Yes, that we all together lit. It was an extremely strong one, yes. Michelle Montas lives in New York now. Her apartment is filled with art, some African and some Haitian. One picture in particular caught my eye. It's a painting of her husband, Jean Dominique. The person in the big blue coat is Jean. And next to him, there is another figure. We're supposed to represent a Haitian peasant. The cut rope is a sign that Jean has helped liberate Haitian peasants from their chains. Like, uh, you know, our ancestors were liberated from the chains of slavery. In the painting, 
Jean-Dominique is at one with the Haitian people, a partner in their historic victory, freeing themselves from slavery. But the movement he contributed so much to still hasn't been realized. People after the overthrow of Jean-Claude Duvalier, they were all saying the same thing. They were saying, Babouquette la tombée. Babouquette, it's the gag that we had had over our faces all our lives. It was not just about going to put someone else in the National Palace. It was defending freedom of speech and freedom of association. But the murder of Jean-Dominique killed the dream. Some in the diaspora started to think that Haiti was not a place that they could ever return to. In the end, Aristide was ousted one final time in 2004. A French diplomat alleges that the Bush administration was involved in a coup against him. Since then, whatever was left of the pro-democracy movement has mostly retired, dispersed, or died. To this day, the intellectual authors of Jean-Dominique's murder have never been caught. But there are demonstrations every year in Haiti demanding justice. And in Miami, the radio broadcaster's murders still need to be solved. Impunity. It silences people. That's what ties together all of the threads. Michelle and John Dominique, the little Haiti murders. When people are harmed or killed for their beliefs and the perpetrators aren't held responsible, everyone is less and less free. Fear is a powerful straitjacket. And I think that that was probably part of the bravery of these radio folks. Edwige Danticat, Haitian writer. She was also a producer on the agronomist documentary and knew John Dominique. And I think that's what was so brave about that because you're shadowing a kind of silence. You're taking a lot of risk that personally people are unable or unwilling to take. While we were reporting this story, yet another assassination happened. This time, it was Haiti's president, Jovenel Moïse, in 2021. There's a painful circularity to the political situation in Haiti sometimes that you'll see parallels or, or reincarnations of different groups, of different moments. The assassination is a complicated story, but it has telltale U.S. fingerprints all over it. At least one active FBI informant and one former DEA informant have since been charged with the murder. It seems to form part of a pattern, tracing back to the Duvaliers and even before them, of the U.S. picking winners in Haiti. And it's a very complicated story um, with the, you know, international powers, starting with the U.S., where Haiti was never allowed to fulfill its full potential. But Edwidge says there is still hope. Hope that lies in the hands of Haitians. When we think about all that's happened in Haiti, like from 1804 to this moment, we need to break a cycle in a certain way so that these young people who are lying on the floor now are not going to be the ones shooting the guns tomorrow. But all of us who love Haiti. We want to find that daybreak. You know, we want to we want to see that dawn. 
Just even in the last 10, 20 years, a lot of people have lost their lives with that dream in their heads. So hopefully we'll, it will happen one day, you know, like we'll see a country emerge to be what, it's, what it was meant to be, what our ancestors wanted it to be. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Next time, a conversation with Gary Pierre-Pierre of the Haitian Times about what happened to the VAO movement led by Jean Just and the radio broadcasters and about where Haiti goes from here. A special thanks to Trenton Daniel, now of the Associated Press. He was working for Reuters and the Haitian Times in Haiti. When I was there investigating John Dominique's murder and without Trenton's help, my own reporting would not have been completed. Silenced is a Kaleidoscope content original, produced by Margaret Katcher, Jen Kinney, and Padmini Ragunoth. Research assistance from Sibylla Phipps, Jeremy Bigwood, and Kira Sinis. Edited by Lacey Roberts. Executive produced by Kate Osborne. Reported and hosted by Anna Arana and me, Osvaloshin. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Music by Oliver Rodigan, a.k.a. Cadenza. Mix and sound design by Kyle Murdoch. Thanks to Mangesh Hatikara, Kostas Linus and Vahini Shuri. Our executive producers at iHeart are Katrina Norvell and Nikki Itor. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, share and subscribe to our channel. Thank you. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.